Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. The next episode of Nerd, Clicks, and Chill will start in 3, 2, 1, 0. Hey everybody, this is Nick. And this is Carrie. And we are Nerdflix and Chill, and welcome to Game of Thrones First Take, exclusively on LRM. Season 7, Episode 3, The Queen's Justice, has just ended, and we're here to give you our first take on what went down in Westeros. But before we get into it, we also want to let you know that we will be doing a full detailed breakdown of the episode on our regular podcast feed, Nerdflix and Chill, which you can find on iTunes, Stitcher, and on our website, nerdflixandchill.com. Absolutely. So this is our chance to give you guys our first take on what went down, but we also do the full deep dive on our Tuesday show. So uh, let's get right into it. So much anticipation, so much um, time and yeah. investment into this show to finally get this meeting that we have all been waiting for. Jon Snow and Daenerys Targaryen meeting for the first time. That was really, really intense. It felt huge, didn't it? Yes, it did. And just this was an episode full of great one-on-one moments. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I love the the way that we kind of get build up to it. We come right in with John and Davos having uh landed at Dragonstone and you know, we see John and Tyrion meeting again for the first time since season 1, which I thought was awesome. Uh and then this kind of build up to this moment that they finally meet. And uh, I like the fact that there was friction between the two of them. There was, but I, I also like the fact that they, like, immediately exchanged these little smiles to each other. They had these little, like, this little acknowledgement, and I, I kind of enjoyed that. And yeah, the friction did definitely come later, but at the at the outstart of it, I like that they exchanged some smiles, and I like that Davos is like, this place has changed. This is different. <laughs> I, I do love the introduction where Misande goes on and on <laughs> and on with all of Daenerys' nicknames. Yes. And Davos is like, this is Jon Snow. <laughs> pause, pause, pause. Yeah. He's king of the north. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was so, it was so well done. Um, it was. It's also, it, it's also interesting to see the power dynamic between the two because they're not on even footing. John is walking into her house, basically. Right. And so it, they do not feel like they're on the same playing field throughout most of the show. No, not at all. Yeah, it's it's very much butting heads. And then I'm thinking, too, how it feels for Sir Davos stepping back into Dragonstone after having been there before. Um, just... Again, like he said, this place has changed, but just a very different feeling for him that had to have been very weird. Yeah, so where Shireen taught him to read. 
So back on Dragonstone, uh, we're getting this. There's just so much to take in in this conversation. There's just so many great moments back and forth between these characters. I'm also very curious as to what the hell is going on with Melisandre and Varys. Yeah. Yeah, that was very strange. There was a lot of tension between the two of them, and I wasn't exactly sure why. And I'm wondering, does she have some tie, or does he feel that it, it's somehow tied into his past or something? Because I don't, I don't know where this was coming from. Well, we got a hint of it in season six, where Kinvara, the Red Priestess, right. goes over and she says, you know... Um, talking about the sorcerer that threw his parts in the fire, um, you know, talking about the voices that were that were heard and what was said. So there's something tying Varys to this that we just don't know, but uh, it's just super interesting, and I have no idea kind of where it's going. But it was a it was a nice introduction, and apparently Melisandre is going to Valentis, but she has to return because she needs to die in Westeros. But she also said, I need to die in this strange country or this strange land, just like you do. And so, again, it makes me think that, I mean, we we do know that Mel is really old. She's been around for a really long time. So it's not any stretch of the imagination that she would have some tie to Varys when he was young or um, who knows. Like, he obviously knows of her so i think this is something you know that we've said before put a pin in it and i have a feeling we're going to be coming back to this yeah uh what about euron and the goings-on in king's landing with the sand snakes and kind of bringing them before cersei as the gift well i was going to go back just a second there were a couple of things on dragonstone that that stood out to me but and i know that we'll cover those in our full episode in in depth but I just really kind of enjoyed as Jon Snow and company are walking up to Dragonstone and him basically pooping his pants as the dragons fly over. Oh, yeah, that was great. <laughs> that was great. Anyway, um, so what with Euron and, and his parade through the town and all of that, um, I, I rode his horse right into the throne room. That was pretty ballsy, I thought. Yeah, I mean, this is interesting to me because I actually thought that Cersei's punishment for Alaria and Tyene Sand was actually going to be far more gruesome than it turned out to be. Like, yeah. I get it that it's cruel and that it's torture, but like, it, I, I, I think I was projecting onto Cersei a little bit that she would do worse. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised by that too. I, I thought she was going to do something. Um, yeah, just, just really gruesome and, and quick. But I mean, she even said, you know, these are the other things that it, that she had thought that she could do, but they were all too quick. She wanted her to play the long game. She wanted her to suffer for a very long time. And, um, I, I, I wasn't expecting that either. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I... also in King's Landing, we're reintroduced to, uh, Tycho from the Iron Bank. Mycroft. So now the Iron Bank is being reintroduced into the story, which I think is interesting too. Yeah. Um, kind of, kind of curious to see how that factors in because it's kind of an odd thread to introduce at this stage of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so not I'm, sure how it's going to play in either, but. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious. But in this overall war, uh, Cersei's off to a pretty good start. 
she took the fleet, took out the Greyjoy fleet last week. Uh, you have Jamie learning from his mistakes uh, that he made against Rob Stark. And uh, he got the majority of the Lannister forces out of Casterly Rock, so it was pretty easy for the Unsullied to take. Yeah. But then he decided to march on Highgarden. So uh, I'm actually very interested in the strategy here. Yeah, and and you know we were wondering last week, you know how is how is Danny going to respond to you know the her Greyjoy fleet being taken over, and it was kind of like, well, we're just going along with everything as planned. We're going to keep going with what we were doing. We haven't changed our mind, and yeah, it's not looking very good for Danny. But um, I think there's going to be a change just by well, looking I- at the next week's. I mean, one of the one of the things that is interesting to me is Tyrion's strategy is not working, no. and it makes me wonder if she's going to listen to what Elena Tyrell told her in the Stormborn episode, where she said, "You're a dragon, be a dragon." And I, I'm wondering if after this kind of uh, bungled start to yep. this whole war if she's going to maybe rethink the strategy and take it into her own hands a little bit more. Yeah. She said, uh, what, what did Lady Olena say? Like, I, I've survived this long because I didn't listen to any of them. Basically saying, you know, do your own thing. And if you watched after the episode, there's a little clip in for next week and it looks like Danny is doing just that. That she is going to do what she originally wanted to do. Well, we'll see. Um, but sticking with this episode still, uh, lots of stuff going on. Jorah is healed from grayscale. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, uh, <laughs> again, I just, I really love Jim Broadbent in the role as this, um, chief maester. Uh, I, I loved the whole thing, but with him and Sam and, um, yeah, I was like, oh, yep, nope, hardly hurts. I'm fine. <laughs> I, I actually <laughs> thought around that- and walk away. I actually thought that Sam was going to get expelled from the Citadel. Yeah. I actually thought that was the direction that they were going, and mm. it was going to kind of thrust him back into the story uh, with everybody else, but that did not go that way. I'm just curious at this point, since that that now Jorah has gotten over the Grayscale. I mean, he's had it since season five. Um, did it I'm seem just like it was wrapped up a little too? Going. Did it seem like it was wrapped up a little too cleanly? I mean. Last week's scenes aside, but did did it just seem a little too wipe your hands clean, you know, spick and span, and off we go? I mean, maybe a bit, but I guess we still need to see where it leads. Yeah. Um, I, I just thought that was kind of interesting. I thought it maybe would have taken longer or more treatments. But, I mean, you know, again, we, we only saw him treat him that one time. Who knows how... how much work went into healing him, but uh, I'm just curious as to what it means for Jorah's character now. Like, what was the point of giving him this grayscale? Uh, what is the what is the next stage of what's going to be revealed for his story? Right. Well, we know he's. I guess right now he's heading up to Dragonstone or yeah, over to and, Dragonstone. I guess. And actually, he might show up at a time where Daenerys might really need his counsel. Well, and that's what I said uh, in our 
full breakdown of last week's episode that he's gonna he's gonna come in and and pop in out of nowhere like right when she needs him like there's something whatever it may be that either it's it's words of encouragement or something that only he can do that he's gonna pop in at that last moment to be that ex machina moment thing and yeah that's the only thing that i can think of what that is i don't know but i'm not a writer so Okay. Uh, we also had some goings on in Winterfell this week where we see Sansa doing her thing. Uh, doing pretty well, looks like, as she's kind of, you know, uh, taking over as the, the leader in the North uh, while John is away. And crazy enough, Bran finally shows up. Yeah, when they said, uh, Lady Sansa the gate at the gates, I thought for sure it was going to be Arya. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, you, at this point, you're expecting one of those two. And the fact that it was Bran, um, it was really interesting because Bran seems to be a little bit out there. Yeah, he was just, he doesn't seem connected to anything. Either that or he's just too connected to everything. Yeah, I think it's the latter. I think he's yeah. so overly connected that he emotionally is disconnected. Yeah. Um, it, it's like he's seen everything. And the fact that he, he talks about Sansa's wedding to Ramsay, uh, you know, and, and she kind of gets weirded out by it because now I think she understands what he was talking about by being the three-eyed raven. Right. Uh, I And, you know, it's just so weird because there was no warmth coming off of him at all. No, he didn't. He didn't even embrace her. No. At all. And and it's like, he just, it's as if he doesn't even connect to anybody anymore. He's just seeing right through them. Right. Right. And uh, it's interesting because that does kind of throw uh, an interesting wrench into some of the power dynamics that are going on at Winterfell. Because technically, if you were to, to go by lineage, he is the Lord of Winterfell now. Right. Yeah, that's what she even explained that to him. And she's like, you know, hey, it's all it's all you. And <laughs> no. And then they have their little conversation about that. So I'm not sure how that's going to go. I mean, can you just say, no, I don't want it. It's yours. And it's okay. Or I mean, I guess they can't force him to be Lord of Winterfell. Probably. I mean, at some point, some of the old rules don't really apply anymore. Right. Um. And, and so much of what we've talked about in this show and the seeming theme of the season is the new generation stepping out of the shadow of the previous generation before it. Right. And that seems to be such a reoccurring theme on this show. It was very evident in the scenes with John and Daenerys where so much of their conversation is about ancestors and familial bonds. Uh, but they're very much needing to have conversations about the new world and, and the threats that they're facing now. Well, and she even she even said almost the exact words that he did um, in in the what was it? Episode one of this season where it's like, you know, don't don't punish me for the sins of my father 
kind right. of a thing. So, right. but I thought his retort was great. It's like, well, then don't hold me to the pledge that my ancestor said. So I thought there was a lot of really good back and forth in all these, you know, again, in all these little one-on-one moments throughout the entire episode. And John held his ground. He did not. He did. Uh, and I actually think, I think the chemistry between the two was pretty good. Uh, I did too, I, especially when they were standing out on that, um, when it was just the two of them outside of the, outside of the, um, castle. When they get a second to connect. Yeah. I thought that was, uh, I thought that was pretty good. And I think that that gives us something to build on. I think there's so much anticipation around these two characters finally meeting for the first time that had they not had any chemistry, this would have gone really wrong. Right. And I don't think this episode went wrong. I actually thought this episode was really, really good. Um, and of course we have everything going on at the end with Elena Tyrell, uh, because Jamie split the Lannister forces, left a garrison at Casterly Rock, but then took the majority of his forces with Randall Tarley, marched on Highgarden and took it pretty easily. Right. Um, what did you think of? Elena Tyrell and what looks like it'll be her last scene on the show. Oh man. Again, I, and, and we, we even mentioned this. We mentioned this before. I don't know if it was in our first take or if it was in our full breakdown, but we had a feeling that her days were numbered and I, I didn't think there were going to be so few, but again, just the writing for her is always so strong. There was, um, a, a, a little tete-a-tete between her and Jamie where he's like, you know, there's there's lessons in failures. And she's like, well, then you must be very wise by now. I just love <laughs> all of her quips and her comebacks and they're so good. And I love the fact that he poured the poison in the cup and she just chugged it right down. Yeah. And, and at that moment, she let it spill that she was responsible for Joffrey's death and the look on Jamie's face. I, th- I thought for certain that he was going to gut her right there, but he didn't. Yeah. He just turned around and she's like, tell Cersei, I want her to know it's me. Oh, so good. What a way to go. Yeah. So and, good. Um, we, I mean, we saw two new locations in this episode. We saw Casterly Rock. We saw High Garden. Both locations are gorgeous. Uh, those overhead shots of the Lannister and Tarly armies uh, heading towards Highgarden are really fabulous. Uh, so I really like the visuals in this show uh, for this particular episode. I also really like the way uh, they did that kind of uh, that kind of cross cut from Tyrion to the assault on Casterly Rock. I thought that was kind of interesting and unique. Um, you know, a, a lot of scenes were kind of given time to breathe a little bit, uh, because again, I mean, we are just cramming so much into this show. Uh, th- I mean, three episodes in, and it feels like we are where we would normally be halfway through a regular season. Yeah. In fact, I said those exact words <laughs> when we did our, uh, again, I, I mix it up between first take and, and our breakdown. But yeah, it was like everything that we've gotten. It's like what it would take a half a season to produce all of that. And, um, I, I thought it was interesting that we found out that Tyrion is basically the Galen Urso of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yes. He built a small, <laughs> small weakness in Castor the Rock. That's right. <laughs> but it was really just there for his whoring 
and not for well some revenge purpose. Right. But still. But uh, again, I think the real heart of this episode is what happened with John and Daenerys and just yeah. like this whole meeting. And and for me, I was as excited as I was to see John and Daenerys meet for the first time. I was also excited to see this reunion take place between John and Tyrion because I just love these two characters. I loved their interactions earlier on in the series. So for me, it was about seeing those two together. And I also really liked their conversation. Uh, yeah. I, I like the jokes about brooding, which I thought were pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, these are characters that seem to get along. Yeah. I mean, this, this echoed their discussion on top of the wall, uh, back in season one. It was, it was very much the same type of thing and almost the exact same type of setting. Um, where they're basically on top of the world discussing, right. um, themselves. So, uh, yeah, the writing for that scene again was really, really good. I mean, in the end, John gets what he wants because he gets the dragon glass. Um, yeah. But I think John's not satisfied because people don't believe him. Yeah. They don't believe that this army of the dead is marching. And I think to him, that is as important as getting that dragon glass. Well, and I just, I, I love that. <sighs> The discussion between Tyrion and John and, and Tyrion's like, listen, you're coming here with somebody that you've never met asking her to believe in something that nobody believes in. You're, yeah. you're, that's really unreasonable. So, so tell me what I can, I want to help you. Tell me what I can do. And then we find out later that Tyrion, you know, went back and talked to Danny and explained this whole thing with the dragon glass. And he's like, listen, it doesn't mean anything to you. Just let him have it. You know, and again, then it leads to the conversation with Danny and John. And I thought one of the things that was really interesting, not only just their discussion back and forth and not only, um, you know, did she, you know, attempt to kind of relate to him a little bit and, you know, she gives him, you know, supplies and men or whatever, which I thought was incredibly generous to, to help mine this dragon glass. But after he walks away, she kind of pauses and then turns and looks over her shoulder at him. And it's like, hmm, there's something, there's something there, I think. I don't know what. But yeah, there was, but she there also, was a weighted turn, I think. In the, in the previous scene, she asks Tyrion about the whole being stabbed in the heart thing. And it almost seems like that was her first bit of curiosity and then that curiosity gets expanded upon in that next scene. Right. Uh, the, so there is another shoe to drop there somewhere. Like, I agree. There's definitely something going on. Um, also, she talks about the names of the dragons, Viserion and Rhaegal, and, um, you know, how it was named after her. They were both named after her brothers. Uh, you know, we know this as show watchers. John does not know yet. Her brother is his father. Yes. Like, there's, so there's this weird connection that's happening between the two of them. And then we also, uh, we talked about Bran earlier. Bran's got to talk to John. So, uh, John might be finding out about, you know, his parents and who they are at some point. But to me, I think John is leaving Dragonstone or he hasn't left yet, but I think he is frustrated. Uh, he has got, the minimal thing that he needed from that exchange. But what he needs is buy-in. He needs belief. 
So he needs to have some way to, to, to prove to them what the hell is going on. Right. And I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't know what direction that's going to go in. But um, one of the things I think is most interesting is after this episode, when you go back and you watch the trailers, the first two trailers that came out for season seven, 90% of that material has been seen so far. Yeah. And so we have, well, I guess we're just about at the halfway point. How many episodes is this season? Seven? I think. Seven, and we're three in. Yeah. So we are almost at the halfway point, and we have a ton of stuff that we have no idea what's coming. Yeah. So I think the big winners of the week, I think Cersei had another really great week this week. I think Daenerys took another hit. Even though they took Casterly Rock, they got they got played in the end. Uh, we also don't know what's going to happen to Grey Worm because the the fleet that ferried them in uh, is going to not be available to them. So they're going to have to flee Casterly Rock, which puts Grey Worm in danger and uh, makes them somewhat easy pickings for the Lannister forces. Right. Oh, I didn't even think about that. So we were, you know, we're going to see some interesting stuff coming up and uh, I'm excited. I, I thought this episode was really, really strong. Uh, it was full of some great character moments. It had a lot of expectations that it had to live up to, but I think it did very well. I do too. I do too. And I, I'm, I've been having like sit on my hands and kind of bite my tongue because I'm wanting to dive into these, these scenes a little bit more. I actually took notes while I was watching it. So Definitely, I, I can't wait to tear into it for our full breakdown. Our full breakdowns have been quite long. Our last one was almost two hours long. So yeah. this is just quite literally, it's a first take, first taste, initial thoughts. But man, I, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to tear into it a little bit more. Well, that episode will be available on our regular podcast feed. That is Nerdflix and Chill. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher. You can also go to our website, nerdflixandchill.com, where you can find all of our uh, different content as well. Uh, so we will be recording that detailed breakdown where we're going to dive into all these great uh, scenes that took place this week. Really want to dive more into this John and Daenerys thing. I also want to get more into Bran. Uh, so we'll do that in our full episode. But thanks for listening, everybody, to Game of Thrones First Take exclusively on LRM. And we'll see you guys soon. May the Force be with you, because the night is dark and full of terrors. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumbo Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 